what do viewers want from their news anchors? Do they want a big personality, relatability, trustworthiness? Do they know what they really want? Barry Nash says he has some answers to that question, and he says it's all in the way it's asked. Nash is a talent coach whose company has worked with NBC and Telemundo stations, CNN, CBS Sports, and many other groups. I'm Michael Depp, editor of TV News Check, and this is Talking TV, the podcast that brings you smart conversations about the business of broadcasting. Coming up, a conversation with Barry Nash about news anchors, audience expectations about them, and where coaches and consultants may help or hinder anchors in presenting their most authentic selves to viewers. Talking TV is brought to you by Futuri, whose post for TV podcasting system is specifically designed for the needs of TV broadcasters. Post for TV makes going from newscast to podcast an effortless transition. It enables broadcasters to create, publish, analyze, and monetize both broadcast on demand and original podcast series from the same platform. Post for TV is a powerful system for capturing podcast opportunities in a turnkey fashion. It ingests and automatically edits newscast audio for optimum fidelity and publishes blocks or full newscasts to on-demand audio platforms. You can learn more about Post for TV at futurimedia.com slash post for TV. Welcome, Barry Nash, to Talking TV. Hi, Michael. Thanks for having me. Barry, you have been asking viewers what they want to see in news anchors, and the answers have been a moving target. What are they telling you? A little background, Michael, about what we've been doing, which is we we got into, I got interested a few years ago reading about how um, linguistics and algorithms had advanced to the point that companies could look at the comments customers made and um, do analyses just impossible to do manually. Uh, you know, understanding how people were using language, how they were modifying things, essentially telling telling companies what people valued the most. And uh, I got curious about whether we could use that in my line of work, which is uh, helping uh, journalists be effective on camera. And the answer came back, well, sure, as long as the algorithms have a dictionary to do that evaluation. So we spent close to three years um, uh, uh, creating a dictionary that would enable these advanced linguistic algorithms to analyze comments people made about news talent. And that gave us insight we'd never had before. It meant we could ask very open-ended questions. Um, you know, what are your impressions of this person? Uh, and the huge value in that was we weren't priming answers in any way. We were getting, uh, literally, I'd say, as I, I, we'd ask, I, I want to, to hire a news anchor that you will trust and love watching and want to watch on a regular basis. Please describe the type of person I need to find for that job. And um, the, the, the value of that is we weren't doing anything but asking people to go into their own imaginations and talk to us about that. So we were getting things in their words at a level we'd never had before. And 
one of the, I think one of the most interesting things we learned, kind of heartening things for me, was that what viewers want and value in on-air journalists changes as the communal state of mind changes, as communal anxieties change. So we got one answer when we were asking that question um, before the pandemic. We got a different answer when we asked that question uh, in the middle of the uh, Black Lives Matter protest, right in the middle of the pandemic. And we got another answer when we asked that question after the presidential election in 2020, but before the January 6th uh, insurrection. And well, that's so, tough then, Barry, to be on the receiving end of, of shifting expectations, I would think, for the anchors to say like, well, now I need to be a different person at different points of the cultural trajectory. But I do want to come back to that, that receiving end part. So, so basically what you're saying, the issue has been in the past with these kinds of surveys or queries have been made of viewers, that the methodologies um, were, were too constrictive. That was the problem. They were just sort of the vocabulary in which they, through which they could respond was too limited to really yield useful answers? Well, I wouldn't say they're not useful, Michael, because the the, the way they're asked are based on years and years of, of, of experience with that, but they were limiting in that those studies, for a lot of reasons, tend to be quantitative, which means that instead of open-ended qualitative inquiry, you're giving people a list and you're saying, for instance, okay, how important, on a scale of one to 10, how important is credibility, how important is sense of humor, how important is um, is teamwork. And regardless of how well informed that list is, it still is a predetermined list. And so, you know, over time, to me, it felt like we were just kind of getting the same answers kind of over and over again. And the question becomes, okay, but how do we somehow get a look at what we don't know we don't know. What might be in viewers' minds that isn't gonna be touched by this predetermined list of qualities? So that's what we were what we were looking for. So when you give the respondents this sort of free range to um, to bring, you know, to, to frame out what they want in their own words, is that feedback excessively difficult to synthesize or have you found a way to to make that cogent and, and something you can roll over to the client um, in, a, in a, I guess, a bulleted enough or a kind of broken down enough way that, that it's not overly cumbersome to deal with all that data. No, no, it's been actually, it, 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 it's been, been really clear. Um, or, or we think we've gotten a really, really interesting new window on, on this. Uh, doing a couple of, I don't want to get too lost in the weeds on it, but doing a couple of different kinds of linguistic analyses on people's uh, comments. We do what's um, well, one type of analysis that um, tells us not just the words people use the most when they describe what they value, um, but um, how those ideas connect together in people's minds. So we, you know, when people, we know when people are thinking about one thing, they're most likely thinking about these two or three other things as well. And then we're actually able to do sentiment analysis, again, just based on people's language, um, to understand how strongly people feel about things. So, 
you know, if the computer sees a comment that says, um, um, I like Michael Depp, then it's going to score that differently than if it sees a comment that says, I really like Michael Depp. It understands there's another level of commitment in that second um, second statement. And, and because the human brain just manually can't dissect that stuff, especially if you're looking at thousands of comment uh, uh, or, or, or hundred, you know, of comments, um, we get a really actually pretty clear picture um, and a different one than we've had previously. I think it also uh, helps, and I think it's important to make a really important distinction that's inherent in the way you've set this up, but it is that what we're interested in and what we're concerned about is uh, what kind of people do viewers value, which is a different conversation than what kind of content do viewers value. I think sometimes those things have gotten um, a little confused and uh, they are not the same, the same thing. It, it's, it's just like, um, you know, with, with, with doctors, many, many studies have shown that a bedside manner actually has all sorts of impact on the, the way news is delivered has all sorts of impact on how patients respond to it. And I think that's, that's as true here as it is in anything. You found in your querying that personality is a very important characteristic for viewers to find in their TV anchors, but that's a bit of a nebulous thing. So how do you pin down what they mean by that? Well, we, first of all, it's a word that viewers use. And so um, uh, that's kind of there on the, on the face of it. When we look deeper at what they mean by that, essentially what they're really describing uh, in general is um, someone who is uh, really well-rounded, someone who's capable of range. Um, the, the single most valuable attribute that our stuff keeps identifying over and over and over again is a sense of humor. Uh, but it's really important to understand that, that, that when viewers talk about someone with a sense of humor, it just seems that that is their, their code for someone who is in a complicated way uh, really well balanced. Uh, so it can include, you know, having fun when that's appropriate. But they attach other really valuable things to that. For, for people, it's evidence of being knowledgeable. It's evidence of um, uh, being current on things. It, it's different from saying someone who's funny. And so it's really important um, uh, to make that distinction. But the reason it's so valuable is because of people also equate it with other really valuable things like being intelligent and being knowledgeable. Uh, and so it's, um, uh, at the end of the day, it has something to do with, well, I guess what I would call a kind of mature complexity. And- Order to, to bring across. Um, yeah. 
what about the quality of authenticity, which comes up a lot now when we talk about anchors and how they present themselves, or even reporters on the air? How do viewers quantify what they mean by that when they're looking for it? Uh, they tend to describe it in terms of, I guess what I call the experience of the conversation with someone. Uh, one thing we've heard often from people would be a comment like, you know, it feels like he is really talking to me. He's not just reading to me. Um, he's connected in a way that's something other than just reading a teleprompter. And they'll say, I, I, I know he probably is reading like the other people, but, but it, doesn't, it doesn't feel that way. Uh, they also connect authenticity to a kind of, um, I guess what I would call emotional honesty. And, you know, essentially that has to do with, um, essentially what I think at the end of the day has to do with feeling like they're people who really care. And that is undeniably uh, very important to people, especially in times of crisis and anxiety. Sounds like we're getting into empathy territory. Empathy is huge. I think that's a really great and important word. You know, if, if I can go back to my doctor analogy for a minute, it's, it's the idea of someone who may not be personally feeling what I'm going through, but they understand what I'm going through. They care about what I'm, what I'm going through. Right. And that's huge. Absolutely. And that is a very useful analogy. I can see how, how you respond to, to getting serious news is it really depends on the delivery. I want to come to how all of this information comes back to anchors now. There, these are people who, get no shortage of feedback from coaches and consultants like yourself about how to present themselves. Um, we had a former anchor and a meteorologist on this, this podcast just a, a short while back, who now hosts a podcast of their own that sort of pulls back the, the curtain on the industry. And one of their biggest gripes was the frequent, often contradictory direction that they said they would get from consultants, which sort of left them in their case, kind of incredulous and bitter. I wonder, in your experience, where can the kind of direction that you give potentially go sideways? Well, it, it, it can go sideways if personally as a, as a coach. If you're not disciplined enough to have good reasons for what you are recommending. And one of the reasons that we got involved with research in our, you know, in our own area um, was to was kind of that drive to consistently be making ourselves smarter and able to be in conversation so that they they should never be something like do it because I say it's so mm -hmm. and um, so we have always I've always made a commitment to people number one that that I hope they'd call me on it if I could not give them good reason for anything I recommended and um, that I had no problem with people disagreeing with me uh, as long as they worked like I did to have good reasons for their uh, their disagreements. 
your own bedside manner is just as important as the sort of bedside manner you're advising them to present. Oh, it's huge. I mean, in my particular niche or area, it you know, trust for us is important as it is for anybody else. And I think for people to trust you, they've got to understand that you don't see your job as figuring out what's wrong with them or figuring out what needs to be fixed somehow. That you're just as capable of seeing what's good and what's working as you are as having ideas about how things might be uh, might be evolved. Um, but I, I think that that's the um, I think that's those are really really important parts of it. You know, I think another thing, Michael, is is understanding, and this is true with delivery as it is, I think, with producing news, with doing weather to you know, to point to your previous guess. Um, you know, I joke with people uh, on the consultant or from the consultant side that if you think about any endeavor, if you think of a continuum, continuum on, on, on one end of the spectrum, you're going to have the scientists. Let's call them the newscast scientists. And they're at one far end, they're the ones saying, I don't care what you think about this. I don't care what you feel about this. You just do this the way I tell you, you to do it and you will be successful because that's what the science says. On the other end, you've got the newscast artists that say, no, don't bother me with any of that. Look, I know what feels good. I know what's right. And um, just leave me alone. Let me do my thing. And the real art of all of it is finding the right balance between the two. And we, I've watched people get in trouble for years uh, when they drifted too far one way or the other. If you drift to the, all the way just to the pragmatic sort of science end of it, then you wind up you know, with something with no soul. Mm -hmm. uh, if you drift to the other end, you wind up something without structure and without any kind of well-informed direction. Mm -hmm. And so you've got to be able to do both. Do you end up getting a fair amount of pushback ever from the people who you're coaching? Almost never. And I've, I've been coaching 40 years this this year. Now, I think there's an important, there's, there's an important, there are some important reasons for that. Um, one is that, and one of the fascinating things to me has been, that includes people who you would say, you are so famous and you're so successful, why would you care or need feedback from anybody? Well, those are often the people who are most interested in it if you can talk about it at their level, because they've been doing it, they have been made themselves students of it, and they've... By their level, do you mean sort of like extreme nuance? What do you mean? Yeah, I mean, those people who, um, um, well, to drop names, some of your people might might recognize, just because I've been around a long time, you know, I've, I've worked with people like some legendary people like Ann Bishop in Miami, um, woman named Monica Kaufman in Atlanta, who is arguably one of the best researching local news anchors in the history of local news broadcasting. Um, we've worked with 
very, very famous uh, athletes at ESPN and also CBS. And um, uh, even people who have no reason to to worry that if they don't take feedback, it's going to affect their livelihoods at all. Those people are often the most enthusiastic about the conversation. If you can discuss it at a level of nuance that, you know, equals their understanding of things. And so, um, you know, so that's an important part of it. Um, another important thing is, coming to it as a collaboration and that's always been my instinct and you know I'm, is that a collaboration between yourself the anchor, and the talent the news director as well are they part of that conversation absolutely yes yes yeah they have to be because they're decision makers whose decisions affect everyone's livelihood you know that's involved in that but no it's 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 like anything else, people are going to do best when they feel some ownership of it. And so, um, so to me, it's, it's really important that I be a, a, a good resource for people, um, a good collaborator with people, a well-informed collaborator, uh, but that it, it, it's not about somehow telling people to do anything my way. How much of your coaching in the past or even up to now is directed at details, physical details, like how someone wears their hair or the clothes that they wear, how they physically present themselves? Is that changing? And is the industry moving beyond that kind of surface now? Or is it always going to be important? Well, I think it's always going to be important to some extent because it's human. It, it, it's it's well-researched, well-documented human nature that uh, our, our human, well, human nature that we, we, our brain starts to make decisions about people as soon as we see them before anything else exchanges. Um, uh, you know, anything between us exchanges at all. So there's, there's always going to be, um, it's always going to be an important part of the conversation. Personally, my coaching, as far as visual things go, tends to be mostly about things like body language and the physicality of working on camera. Um, uh, there are other people who specialize in what we call visual image, um, um, uh, you know, how people dress and, and organize those things. But I, I will tell I mean, I, and I would tell you that I think, you know, there have been people who've been guilty over the years of oversimplifying that. And um, it, it, we certainly believe my company takes kind of a position that there should be no cookie cutter approach to appearance. That there's good information about um, why certain kinds of, you know, certain styles of things or colors of things look better on some body types than other body types. And, um, uh, but at the end of the day, as far as we're concerned, 
we want the focus here. We care about the message. And our goal even with that is how do we how do you manage that so people are focused here and listening to you and not thinking about something else somehow. Of course there's been a lot of racism overt or or you know or more subtle or sexism in the sort of cues that the and finally you get a lot of people pushing back against that and wearing their hair the way they really do for instance or kind of makeup that they would or uh, I think that's really important and I think that you know obviously those are in, in many circumstances fair um, fair criticisms and fair concerns right um, and then on the other side you've got to deal realistically with just it, it's like doing my background I trained as an actor it's like doing theater and there when you're there's some things you've just got to accept if someone's putting a spotlight on you that is at a certain intensity, um, there are certain professional things you've got to do to um, to have that work. And so that's part of that conversation. So Barry, what is evolving about the way that you do your job now? Uh, well, my job is, or I would say my work is evolving based on what we're learning in the research we were talking about earlier, which is great because that's been the uh, that's been the goal of it. Um, and that helps us in our own work with people, our own adv advice be dynamic and not, you know, and not static. Uh, we literally watched, and again, as I said earlier, I think this is heartening. For instance, at the height of the pandemic and in the middle of the um the protests, uh, something that really shot to the top in our research was people saying, I really value someone who uh, cares about the community. Community became the single most important thing to people, the thing they talked about more than anything else. And so obviously that evolved our conversation with our clients, which was, okay, what does that mean? And how do you demonstrate that? And what does that mean for your delivery? And uh, in an era now, you know, fake news is a real thing. One thing that, um, one consequence of all of that, I think, has been that in general, people used to assume that journalists were generally well-meaning people, um, and, you know, people of integrity. Uh, now, many, many people come to the conversation differently and they, they come to the table uh, suspicious and assuming journalists are somehow dishonest and are fundamentally dishonest. And after the presidential election, uh, we saw, you know, honesty and trustworthiness became, if you put those two things together, they were the things that people said they valued, um, valued the most. And so that seasons our conversation with, um, with, with people. And, um, so that, th that uh, affects the content. I, I would say that I think that the, that the process for me at least, um, has stayed consistent, which is what I was talking about earlier, which is how do you manage it in a way that it's, it's well-informed 
and it's collaborative. And ultimately, it serves the most important thing, um, and the mo and that is the message. It's it's what do you need me to understand about what's happening in my in my world today? And I, I think, I, yeah, sorry, Michael. One last thing about that because I think that gets to to um, well, maybe it would be the most important point for me about it, which is. Um, this should not be a conversation about performance, about what's a good performance. It must and needs to be a conversation about connection. Uh, as one human being, how do you connect with another human being? How do you manage a conversation so that there's something true going back and forth? And that's that gets to the sort of the psychological part of this and the preparation part of this, but it, 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 it should not be superficial. It should not be about getting a performance right. It's about um, having something, needing to communicate something and understanding how to do the work to connect with that. Well, it has been an overdue conversation to get a consultant coach's point of view in, in this whole equation. So so thanks so much, Barry. Um, well, no, no, thanks for having me. You can tell I love to yammer about it. <laughs> well, it's been interesting too, having a conversation with a coach and trying, I think somewhat successfully this entire conversation to put out of my mind that you might be assessing my own delivery. I think I've done it. I think I've just blotted it out uh, in order to uh, have the conversation unselfconsciously. So um, I do appreciate you being here today, Barry. Um, for those of you watching, you can watch past episodes of Talking TV on the videos, TV and videos page at tvnewscheck.com. We are also on YouTube, where I invite you to like and follow us. And of course, check in with tvnewscheck.com continuously throughout the day for constantly updating industry news. Thanks to all of you for watching and see you next time. A new episode of Talking TV is available most Fridays on tvnewscheck.com. You can also listen and subscribe on YouTube, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and Spotify.